But when you start a church and you don't have any demographic that you're aiming at, you're saying we're opening a church to be a family, intergenerational family. We're not just one unit or a homogeneous unit. We're not just a homogeneous unit church for people of a certain age or cultural background. Uh, it actually can be a bit more complicated as well. So we have a saying where we say that we want to share the truth and love of Jesus person to person, generation to generation, culture to culture and place to place. And the idea is that that means that we're going to help people to be friends with each other and be family with each other based on Jesus, not special interests. Hello everyone, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in uh, the world listening to this podcast or even watching it. Uh, my name's Joel and you are here with the Shock Absorber podcast. I am here with my friend and co-host Stu Crawshaw. How are you today, Stu? Hello, Joel. It's terrific to be here. It is terrific to be here. Now, we always like to have a little bit, well, we like to have a little bit of fun sometimes, which is you like to bring a movie to uh, kind of apply to what we're actually talking about in each individual episode. Yes. Do you have a movie today? Yes, well, I thought that there's not only a movie that uh, there's a movie I want to present today that's not only a, a really good movie, but it also kind of applies to some of the things we're talking about today, and illustrates some stuff. And the the movie this week is not actually one of my favourite movies, but I really like it. But it's actually my wife's favourite movie. Okay. So the movie Louise likes the most is a movie called Paddington Bear, which oh, came yeah, out yep. in 2014. Have it's you seen a, it? Yeah, it's a good one. I really enjoy it. Even with the kids, it's a good one. To watch. Yeah, it's great for kids. Yeah, it's a really really fun movie. Yep. Absolutely. And what do you? Uh, what's the? What's the application point? Do you think for today? Yeah. Well, the the story of Paddington Bear, if I've got it right, is a Peruvian bear travels to London on his own. His only little bear, and he travels to London on his own. And when he gets to London, he ends up in Paddington Station, and he's a bit lost. He doesn't know where he's going. And this English family walk past him, and the family is called the Browns. And the father, Mister Brown, goes in quite a humorous way. He says. Careful of that bear over there. He's a stranger danger. He's probably going to try and sell you something. <laughs> so he's got this terrible attitude to poor old Paddington. But the funny thing about that interaction is they don't even draw attention to the fact that there's a bear with a suitcase and a hat on and it talks. and yep. like they, they just take that. I think that's the funniest part of the movie, that, <laughs> that he's, he's a bear, but no one seems to seem any different to a person, which is really lovely actually and anyway they the mother is really lovely unlike the father mrs brown says oh we've got to look after the bear and bring him home anyway the whole the whole story is a bit you know there's plots and complications and things but the essence of the movie is this bear comes into this family and he's adopted into the family and even though he's different to the rest of the family he's adopted as one of the family and he becomes part of the family mm -hmm. and it, there's this really moving lovely moment at the end of the movie where mrs brown says this bear is the best thing that ever happened to our children and i thought that's just a really beautiful story of uh, adoption and redemption and it's really lovely to see that they welcomed this bear into their home and treated him like a, a little boy rather than um as they say in the movie, movie another species. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what species he is, he was brought into the family. So what I think is really lovely about that movie is today we're going to be talking about uh, survival church planning again and, and we're going to continue to tell our story and talk about where we've come, but we want to get a bit practical on how we actually created, um, well, not created, but how did we express 
our Christianity in this church plant and try and make a warm environment for people to come into our own home when they came to church. That's one of the themes we're going to talk about today. Yeah, because last episode we talked about um, why we chose Saturday night as yep. the first night we wanted to plant on and how that worked. But then that was kind of towards the end of 2012. If yes. we move the, moving the story onwards, we're now into 2013 mm. and um, new people started coming along. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember uh, there was that time that um, new people were coming along and they started to, uh, they corrected you in the middle of the sermon. There you was, remember, yeah. Remember that happening? <laughs> yes. But actually, a really good friend of mine uh, came along to church. He hadn't come to our church before and he came along to, to Soul Revival and we were meeting in President Avenue Community Church on a Saturday night and we were renting the space off our good friends from President Avenue Community Church and we'd set all up and we had it all set up and, and um, anyway, we started the formal part of our gathering and we... You know, my friend and his wife came along and they sat about in the middle of the room. And then when it came to me preaching, that particular night I had an introduction to my sermon that was based on history. And I was talking about King Henry VIII. And while I'm interested in history and I love history and I'm interested in King, King Henry VIII, yep. and I, I can't even remember what the analogy was now, but there was some introduction I had. Um, but apparently I didn't understand history as well as my friend did. <laughs> and even though I was using King Henry VIII as an example... He knew that I wasn't quite accurate on part of my detail. So apparently the big picture was right, but the detail could have been sharper. And so instead of waiting <laughs> to the end of the sermon for him to correct me, he thought he'd uh, he'd interject in the middle of the sermon yeah. and say, oh, I don't think you've got that right because Anne Boleyn came before so-and-so and this and that. It was yeah. quite a humorous moment. And I remember thinking, oh, this is really, really cool that uh, this new couple have come into church and they feel so at home that they could even just interject in, a, in the sermon. So... Uh, yeah, that was a funny moment. I mean, that was one of the next challenges for us is like moving into that 2013 year was a lot of new people were coming yeah. along and how to welcome them mm. and how to make them feel part of the church. Mm. Um, we started talking about last week also about how we developed service teams and mm. one, the two of the ones that we thought we would talk about today are welcoming and world, which is the, the names that we give them. Um, do you want to start talking about how like the welcoming process actually became a real thing for us and how we worked on it and worked on it and worked on it, especially your wife, Lou? And yeah, well, there you go. Lou's favourite movie, Paddington, and Lou was the coordinator and still is a coordinator of our welcoming team. Still yeah. doing an excellent she job. She is. She's doing a great job. Yeah. So what, do you, what, um, what was this, the kind of thinking behind welcoming to begin with and where did we develop it from there? Yeah, well, well as, as I start talking about welcoming, one of the things I want to say is that whether you're in youth ministry or church planning or in church ministry, I think and hope that some of the things we talk about practically about how we um, thought about ministry in our ministry might be helpful to different ministries other than just church planning too. So this is about church planning, but I think this applies to other areas too. And when we first started our church plant, um, we uh, Lou, Lou had... Uh, the feeling that we live in a digital age and it's really important that we have a digital presence and we put a lot of effort with Jared Spring and Haley Spring with their um, their company Hello Hello into putting into a really good website that was designed for outsiders, not for people who go to church. So rather than using any jingo, jingo language or what's the word? Not um, jingoistic no, language, what's no, the word? Not jingoistic um, um, what is insider it? language, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. I can't for. actually think of it at the moment. There's a word oh, for it anyway. Yeah. But instead of using insider language, um, we tried to make a website that was plain English and we had a really good plain English language website with lots of photos about what it was like to come along. And what was interesting was we found a lot of people who heard about Soul Revival Church starting and they might have seen us on Facebook or 
Insta or somewhere else because we put stuff out there too. Or people might have even talked about it. We found a lot of people checked out the website first. And uh, so the language we had there was really important, which we might come back to in a later episode. might be interesting to talk about uh, the digital ministry that you're involved with in Soul Revival, which this is a part of. But the website was important, almost like a front door. So lots of people looked at the website before they came. So they had a bit of an idea. But the other thing that Lou and uh, Lauren, who, who started the welcoming team, Matt's, uh, Matt and I were the founding pastors and Lauren and Lou as our wives were both really good friends and they both wanted to work together on the welcoming team. Yep. Well, they did a lot of research before we started about how other churches do welcoming. So Lou visited heaps of different churches with some of the people from our church, like Monica. Um, they'd go to bigger churches as well as smaller churches, like um, big Anglican churches, Hillsong, Baptist churches, Presbyterian, and also smaller churches. And as Lou went around looking at different welcoming things, she just kept putting different ideas together. And so today's podcast is about some of the things she brought together that we found really helpful as we were welcoming new people along. Uh, one of the best things was that I think really exciting is Lou had this sense that she really wanted um, it to be like when people came to Soul Revival Church, it was like we were welcoming, wel- welcoming people into our own home. And so she wanted it to be a warm experience and a friendly experience. Um and she wasn't critical of churches that do different kinds of welcoming things, but one thing she noticed was that uh, in in our experience, we often had the welcomers that were outside the auditorium or outside the building. As you come in, you might go into a foyer, for example, in a church, and there'd be some welcomers there who'd give you a Bible and a book maybe or just welcome you, and then you'd go into this auditorium by yourself. And one of the things Lauren and Lou thought about is what if we bring the welcoming process into the auditorium, into the church, and instead of starting the welcoming process when the church service started or the formal gathering started she thought why don't we have half an hour before church starts and as we said last week the kids go off to kids teaching time during that time at our church and new families come in and the kids can go if they want to or they can just stay if they want to Uh, but basically Lou welcomes people when they come into the door and gives them a little shoulder bag uh, that has Soul Revival on it and it's got it like a little gift bag and in there there's some homemade jam and there's some information about the church and so it's lovely to say to people, oh, we'd love to give you a gift. Uh, thank you for coming. And Lou in the early days also had a visitor's book that people could sign as they came in. So if they wanted to say hi, it was like a visitor's book in your home. It's a bit of an old school thing to do now. Not many people have visitor's books but once upon a time people would say, oh, thanks for having me for dinner tonight. It was a great <laughs> night. And so she put a little welcome book and some people used to like filling that in, quite a few people. And Lou would also say, if you'd like to leave us your email address on that book, we can um, get in touch. And we don't have name tags at our church because we wanted it to be a natural kind of organic feel. So with someone with a shoulder bag on, when they had a shoulder bag on, it was obvious to everyone else in the church that someone was new. And Lou's thought was, as well as welcoming them to come in herself with Lauren at the door, she wanted to not only have a welcome team that helped people feel welcome, but also have a team that created a culture of welcoming in the whole church. And so we talked about that as a team, that we'd be friendly. So when Lou would bring someone uh, that had come in, give them a, a gift or Lauren, we'd offer them a cup of coffee. We had a coffee machine at the at the entrance where people first came. And we think that, I don't know what it's like in other places, but in Australia, if you have a drink in your hand, it, you feel a bit more comfortable. Yep. And so, you know, having a coffee means you've got sort of like something to hold while you're meeting new people. And so people would have a coffee and we'd introduce them to people. 
And then instead of just leaving them to their own devices, the, the welcomer or the person that were connected with them through that whole little process at the door there would then take that person to their seat and sit with them during the service. I love those two little subtle things that um, Lou and Lauren came up with, which is just instead of having name tags, they've got the bag so people know that they're new and they can work, uh, go and welcome mm-hmm. them. But also the having someone to help them kind of integrate, yeah. for want of a better word, yeah. into the service. was they're the, they're the two key things I've really picked up with and we still do today here at like where how much longer are we like seven eight years out yeah. since we did it so i think that's um really important what about when those people maybe came a few times did we we i think we established a process called newish after that how did that kind of play out and how did you like kind of make that happen yeah again another thing that lou picked up from some other churches i think she might have got the word newish from ev church on the central coast okay. even i'm not sure but uh, the idea was that when people come along a few times if they're enjoying coming along uh, Lou wanted to invite people to come over to our house for an afternoon tea and at the afternoon tea they'd be welcomed into our own home as well and get to know us as pastors in our home and that was really popular and fun and in in the way we um, took on some of the um, experiences of our youth ministry which we're talking about in the Shock Absorber podcast, the idea is what what was relevant from the youth ministry days to the adult what could we translate and one of the things we wanted to translate was instead of just being pastors to people we wanted to be their friends too if they wanted to be friends we always say look i'm sure you've got heaps of friends but as well as being pastors we'd love to share our lives together as a church and we we as we share the gospel we share our lives and you know we're really keen to be friends so come around to our place and uh, people used to enjoy doing that and the reason that newish was good is because people could ask questions about soul revival um, they'd often say, what does the name mean, for example? Why do you call yourself Soul Revival? And you're an Anglican church? What, what's with that? And we'd say, well, our church plant has come from a 20-year youth ministry that was called Soul Revival, and so that continuity goes through into our church plant. So even those sort of questions, people can ask, what's the history of this? Why, why do you do what you do? Why do we have meals at church and things like that? So I could ask questions. And the other cool thing was we could get to know people as well, and they could share their stories and in the process, we thought the power of the newish um, opportunity was that when people wanted to make Soul Revival their home and and stay with us at Soul Revival, then they could actually have an opportunity to say, yeah, this is my moment. I want to say that I'd like to stay. The other thing that was really good was we thought we wanted to be upfront with our theological teaching as a church. And we're a reformed evangelical church. We're a Sydney Anglican church and we stand for certain things that we'll continue to talk about during this podcast that we think are really important and fundamental and foundational as a church. And we wanted to be upfront with all the things that we think are important at the beginning so that when people join, if they do disagree with some of the things that we are teaching, they don't find out three or four months down the track when they've already made friendships, they've planted themselves in, because it's quite uh, discouraging and unsettling if you only find out about what a church thinks after you've made it your home. So to have that theological conversation at the beginning of people's journey in the church is, we think, a more loving thing to do and it helps people to to express what they think. And sometimes if they have different issues or different theological views to us that aren't core, you know, spiritual, you know, uh, important pillars of the Christian faith, but there are things that Christians generally can read the Bible and uh, read a Bible passage and sometimes have different 
uh, views on that passage. We really wanted to be a place where people could come and have a conversation about faith with us, where they can continue to have a journey in their thinking with us. And through a conversation about faith, um, we wanted to say that um, it's okay for people to be asking questions and to even think differently to us as long as they didn't undermine the teaching of the church when they came along. But then there would be some of those issues that would be so important to some people that they'd say up front at Newish, oh, look, I love the way you do church, but because you've got this theological position, I can't really see myself being able to be here. So in a way, that was a hard conversation, but it's actually really respected as a, a really adult thing to be doing that we can be talking about our differences and also respecting like that as well. Also respecting them in on the flip side is just like well, this is this is how we do church and you, you can make the decision whether you agree to yeah, stay or not. It's a good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. And those two things that we've talked about the uh, welcoming process and the newish process. How did that? Um, how did you see that developing? Or did you think it was? Um, was being effective in the way that we were doing church. Well, one of the things that was as effective with Joel was we are an all-age, all-stage church. So one of the challenges we have at Soul Revival is we're different to other church plants that can be honing in on one demographic. So some churches say, let's be a young adult church for young adults who live in the city uh, or let's be uh, a church for of surfers, for surfers, that sort of thing. And so there's less difference within those kind of uh church planting methodologies but when you start a church and you don't have any demographic that you're aiming at you're saying we're opening a church to be a family intergenerational family we're not just one unit or a homogeneous unit we're not just a homogeneous unit church for people of a certain age or cultural background uh, it actually can be a bit more complicated as well so we have a saying where we say that we want to share the truth and love of Jesus person to person, generation to generation, culture to culture and place to place. And the idea is that that means that we're going to help people to be friends with each other and be family with each other based on Jesus, not special interests. So it's easy for me to go to a church and look for people who like football and find you and you even though you support Liverpool um, which I don't hold against you but you know we can strike up a conversation oh you've got a football jersey on do you like football and then we can that's a great thing and I'm not saying that's bad but it's actually quite exciting and I think brings glory to God when two people who wouldn't normally be friends with each other talk to each other and so being an all-age all-stage church where different people embrace difference rather than just sameness we wanted to create a welcoming culture that welcomed everyone, even if they didn't have something in common with them. And one of the lovely feedbacks we got early on was one of my friends, Anthony, came to church and he said to me on the night he came, he said, man, I've never been in a church like this before in the Solon Shire. And I said, why is that? And he said, um, oh, I just had a young adult woman come up to me and say, oh, hi, how are you going? It's nice to meet you. My name. And that was Ange Grease, Michael's wife, Ange. Yep. And she was just really pleasant and talking to Anthony, interested in him. And he's like, oh, that was just really nice. And I found out she was a teacher and she found out that I'm an accountant and we, we just had a really good chat. And uh, then I, she introduced me to her husband and we got talking. And he, he liked meeting people who were younger, who effortlessly just thought it was quite natural and normal to come and talk to someone who was different. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like that movie, like... The fact that in that movie, it's a silly movie about a bear, Paddington, but Mrs. Brown treated that little bear as though he was a little boy, not not highlighting his difference all the time. And they had nothing in common, but they they were able to be a family. And that's what we seek to do with our welcoming. And I think, I think having that um, 
desire to embrace difference and give people permission to feel a bit awkward and not know what to say is okay. Uh, we say at Soul Revival, if you forget someone's name, that's okay. Everyone forgets everyone's names. So rather than just having a name tag, we say from the front in the church service, if you forget someone's name today, please feel permission to go, oh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name because they've probably forgotten your name too. And everyone has a laugh then and it takes away that awkwardness. But over time, we think that people who are different being Christian family together is a real witness to the love of Jesus because after all, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples. And it brings glory to God to see people of different ethnic backgrounds or different ages or or different interests being friends with each other and based on Jesus. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we're reconciled yeah, to each yeah, other. So that's we're right. able to express that. And that's what we talk about. So I read something in C.S. Lewis years ago where C.S. Lewis said uh, that you, you will have two people who will be Christians and they're friends and they're talking about Jesus and they'll be really, really close while they keep talking about Jesus. But when they stop talking about Jesus, sometimes they, their friendship gets lost as well. So we think the other way around in modern Australia. We think you have to have something in common first and then you talk about Jesus. But I actually think it's exciting to go, what does it look like to have a diverse family that's all different with different people with different politics and people with different ages and people of different backgrounds, mm. all being Christians together talking about Jesus. So that's what our welcome team starts to help people to get into that culture because it is a countercultural way of living. Yeah. Speaking of diverse backgrounds, so we live in we live and churches in the Southern Shire. I wouldn't say that's the most uh, incredibly diverse mm. background, um, but if we kind of think of that in terms of um, you know culture to culture, place to place, and all that kind of thing, how did we start involving the relationships we learnt through youth ministry um, to be able to kind of develop our well team, which is the next mm. service team we wanted to talk about? Mm. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Well, that's really helpful because that's the next step because, yeah, we live in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney and it's known for being fairly uh, Anglo and so there's a lot of people uh, who are middle-class Anglos who live in the Sutherland Shire and the real joy we have is that because we've been friends with um, Isaac and Eileen Gordon at Brewarrina and intro they've introduced us to so many of their Aboriginal Christian friends to us, we've become friends with a whole heap of Christians across New South Wales uh, from Aboriginal communities and we've quite regularly visited them on friendship visits and they've visited us on friendship visits. I've had the privilege of preaching at Isaac's church, he's preached at our church and the the communities know each other really well. And so we thought in Soul Revival we've got this welcome team which is helping us to be thinking of people who don't already go to church because again we wanted to plan a church not for people who go to church for, but for people who don't go to church. And we were getting a lot of people who were de-churched or unchurched coming along. And early on in the first two years, it was probably something like 25% of people who were coming along were either de-churched or unchurched in the Sutherland Shire. Uh, and so helping them to have a conversation about faith was, was really delightful. And having the sermon and then the meal afterwards gave people an opportunity to really ask a lot of questions. But then you're right, that, that is a fairly limited uh, group of people. But remember from the youth ministry days that we were all soul revival were always really convicted by Matthew twenty two, thirty seven to forty. And in that where Jesus in chapter twenty two of Matthew, Jesus is asked, What's the most important thing? And the Pharisees were trying to catch him out. But he had this beautiful teaching as a response where he says, basically, and I paraphrase, that the most important thing is that you love God and that you love others. And and Jesus, I think, teaches us to love. 
and he teaches us about God and he teaches us about how he has come to take away our sin. And in taking away our sin, he's taken away the only barrier between us and God. And as a result, um, Jesus on the cross has reconciled us to God. And so we can love God. And Jesus actually goes so far as to say that we can call God our father. So we're adopted into his family, just like Paddington Bear into the <laughs> Browns. But we're adopted into the family of God. And if we're in the family of God, then we turn around and we look at each other as brothers and sisters. And we think, well, our brothers and sisters are in our local church. And that's where we're called to, to carry out the one another passages of scripture. And we share our lives with one another and we bear one another's burdens and we encourage one another. We build one another up. All those one another passages is what we do in the local church. So I love the local church, but I love it when the local church is connected to other local churches. And we can also see that we're part of the uh, universal church or the worldwide church or uh, a, a more accurate term is the Catholic church. Not to be confused with the Roman Catholic church, but the Catholic church, the word Catholic means that we are one church around the whole world, uh, united with, with all our brothers and sisters, not only those who are alive now, but those who have been and who will be, because one day we'll be gathered up together in heaven. So when Jesus in Matthew 22 says, love God and love others, we need to think about who are the others that he asks us to, to love. He says it's your neighbours. And later in the uh, story, when Jesus was asked, who is your neighbour? Jesus says this amazing thing that he, he basically tells the story of the Good Samaritan and talks about a, the, a Samaritan man helps this uh, Jewish man who's been attacked on a road even after all these Jewish religious leaders and Jewish people had walked past him a Samaritan who in their culture were natural enemies the Jews and the Samaritans a Samaritan looks after this Jewish man and looks after him and so in that story the parable of the good Samaritan Jesus is saying everyone is your neighbor so we need to love everybody and I think as Christians in the local church we need to try and express that as much as we can so our neighbor is not just a person who has the same age as us or the same interests as us or is in the same class as us or the same um, has the same special interest, but it's everyone. So we had the welcome team to invite um, people to come to church. And as I said, there was people who were lots of people coming along to check out Jesus and have a conversation about faith who weren't even Christians or, or used to go to church but had given up on it and thought they'd come along for another look. But also... We had all these different ages coming together, which was lovely, and we we're expressing that. And there were some people from different ethnic backgrounds as well. But what was really exciting about having a welcome team and a world team is our world team was seeking to have friendships and relationships with other Christians from other places. So that also meant that we were necessarily going to be having an opportunity to share the truth and love with people from other cultural backgrounds too. So our relationship with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters, I reckon would be a great whole podcast actually down yes. the track. I think it'd be fun for us to talk about Ike and Eileen. Mm. Uh, but basically the place to place thing meant that our world team was focused on helping to grow our relationships with our Indigenous brothers and sisters in Brewarrina and Gilgandra and Fingal Head on the north of New South Wales coast and to actually think, what does it look like for us to be Christians in our local church who are connected to other Christians in other local churches? We're on mission together and discipling one another in the city. They're on mission and discipling each other in the country. How do we work together for the gospel? And the way we did that in our world team was that we would basically partner with them in what they were doing in ministry 
and taking their leadership and coming in under their leadership. And so the world team was uh, doing that with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters. But on top of that, the other exciting relationship we had is we've also got friends with in our youth ministry days at Sorrel Revival. Uh, we had some elders at Guymer Anglican Church who were Alf and Wilma Norman, who were two early missionaries to Papua New Guinea. They spent a lot of time over there. A lot they? of time, like yeah. 25 years, something oh, like wow. that. And one of the young people that they discipled um, was a, a young man by the name of Henger Bear, mm. who went on to become the president of the indigenous church that Alf and Wilma's organisation planted in Papua New Guinea. And that church is called the Evangelical Church of Papua New Guinea. And so Henger Bear had grown up as a very strong, fine young Christian man and been elected by his church to be their president. And that church has something like 50,000 members across the whole wow, of the country. A lot of people. And so we, we were friends with them and traveled up to Papua New Guinea and had relationships with them. So when we started the church, we thought, because we're so small, let's just start with two partnerships, our indigenous partnerships for our world ministry and also our Papua New Guinean brothers and sisters. And so we, we had the opportunity to have Henger Bear and his wife, Benessi, come down and speak to us down in Sydney. We also then decided together, as we talked about how we could do ministry together in Papua New Guinea, because we had such a history of youth ministry, Henger Bear asked, would it be okay if he sent down his youth ministry coordinator, uh, Henry and Aggie, to come down to Sydney and train with us for a month? So we talked to YouthWorks College and YouthWorks hosted them in their course and Guymer Anglican Church and Soul Revival hosted Henry and Aggie and for a month we shared uh, youth ministry ideas together from them and to, with them and then Henry and Aggie went back to Port Moresby to Gerahoo and started a, a work that is going to this day and they've now got a thriving university and school ministry at, at Gerahoo in Port Moresby that we're really excited to partner with them in, uh, in prayer and because of COVID and also because some of the things that have happened in Papua New Guinea recently. It's been a bit hard for us to visit recently, but we can't wait till COVID finishes to get back up there. Yeah. So yeah, that was the world team as well as the welcome team. Was there um, a little bit of like we're a, a church just establishing, just establishing itself? Was there a little bit of um, questioning about why we were focusing on world as our kind of second thing that we were establishing? Yeah, it's a good point because yeah, well, I suppose we had the arts team because we were getting the music going, yeah. and we we've got the the welcome team. And I suppose we had the kids team too, but the world, the world team was actually the first, that was probably the second team that we publicly kind of launched and celebrated. Uh, we had a, a special opening at one of the local art houses called uh, Hazelhurst and we had a special night and we had Henger Bear and Benessi come and speak. And uh, I think it was just really important for us to say we, we didn't want to project uh, an image of ourselves that we thought we had we were the greatest, latest church plant. Um, we wanted to be a church amongst churches and we wanted to be part of an ecosystem of ministry that uh, we were going to be not only seeking to disciple each other and be on mission together, but we wanted to be on mission with other Christians in the Sutherland Shire, in the city of Sydney and around the world. And so we thought that was healthy and it, and it fit with our DNA where we wanted to share the truth and love of Jesus person to person, generation to generation, generation. Uh, culture to culture and place to place. So that that sort of was a really nice way to start as we wanted to go on. Sending the expectation of how we yeah. wanted to run church. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and the other good thing was that people who were in our church and some who came subsequently had really good relationships with Christians in other places. We've got, um, we had the Mackays and the Eliards come and they had relationships with people in Ethiopia. 
you know, uh, our training pastor Karen and her husband Anthony have a lot of contacts with Baptist World Aid and so Anthony has lots of friendships. So we wanted to tell those stories and celebrate those things and pray for those ministries while we were focusing on our two partnerships. But it was just a really nice way to say that, um, yeah, it's really exciting to be in a local church, but it's also exciting to be a local church that's looking outward as, as well. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so that's kind of the taking us through 2013 when we, we're kind of getting towards the end of 2013, though all those things happened. What are, how are we going in terms of um, there was a lot more people coming. Do you, can you remember how many people we were around that time? Yeah, we started to grow to about 110 people. And yeah. that was funny because uh, we talk about principles on this podcast. Sometimes what people say is good to look at. And a lot of those principles are really good. But there is a principle that we broke, actually, that the print, there's a principle called the 80% rule, which says that once a building gets 80% full, you probably won't grow beyond 80%. Because once it's 80% full, new people coming along feel a bit cramped. But the funny thing about 2013 is we'd grown to about 110 people. And that was in a room that could comfortably fit, say, 90 people. So we had people out in the foyer. We had people all around. But I don't know what it was about it, Joel. Maybe you might have some insight. But it was just fun. It was like crowded and exciting and, and fun. But we did know that we needed to to look for some new accommodation if we were going to continue to reach out to more people yeah. so that's that was definitely the end of 13 yeah yeah and i suppose that, that we'll probably touch on in the next episode is when we actually moved to a new venue and had to uh expand our uh our footprint yeah, so to speak right. so um that kind of ends that part of 2013 and where the church was heading at that time but i do have a question that i thought you might like to answer yep um it's coming from uh do, by the way if you do have any questions you can email me at joel at shockabsorber.com.au so i can uh pitch them all to Stu because he's quite good at answering questions um today we have one from alexander who he actually works at Duneside anglican church in sydney and um i think he's looking for a few more uh practical ideas he gets the idea of the shock absorber and the third space um, but he would, like you said, appreciate a, more, a few more practical examples. Um, I think he's kind of talking about, did you come more when we're, t- this question came when we were talking about youth ministry, but did you, every night, did you come with a topic or a Bible passage that was then discussed to be driven by, um, or was the meeting, sorry, driven by the youth issue? So did you bring a topic to talk about, like actual topic that um, the youth wanted to talk about, or were we using the commitments meaning to drive um what we were actually doing and let them bring the issues to us yeah that's a really good question so in the first uh season of our ministry as a youth ministry we used to invite the young people to be a part of the the ministry without the formal responsibility of leadership so that they could express their spiritual gifts and learn to serve amongst the body uh we felt that in the Sutherland Shire where we live, some of the shadows of the current approaches to church are individualism, consumerism and transience. And young people can be a little bit individualistic and a little bit consumer-orientated, what's in it for me? And as a result, they just move around from church to church looking for the latest, greatest thing. So we started a group called The Commitments for committed Christians who wanted to commit to Jesus and serve in the local church. And in those meetings, we used to uh, do two things. We used to give them topics that we thought would really help them to grow uh, because we at Guy Anglican Church are a church where we went to the, the, the service as well on, 
on the Sunday night. We knew they were getting the exegetical teaching on s- Sunday night. So that gave us room to do some more, uh, cr- some creative stuff. And we did some exegetical teaching. By the way, exegetical just means going through a book of the Bible and going chapter to chapter, sort of um, speaking through a text like that. But basically uh, on Saturday nights in our youth ministry, we would look at a topic that was relevant to them and then say, what does it mean to be a young Christian with this topic in mind? And we want to listen to you because the idea of the shock absorber is that young people are the shock absorber of the church, just like a car has shock absorbers to go over the bumps in the road. Young people help us to understand critical cultural changes that are taking place. And if older people in the church listen to younger people and work together, we can ride over the cultural uh, bumps in the road. So, for example, with uh, hot topics like, um, I don't know, technology. When technology first started coming on the scene, 2008, how do we as Christians relate to each other with iPhones now? Has that changed? Social media, has that changed? We talk about stuff like that together as much to hear from them what they thought as well as to train them. But as well as bringing topics, we'd also let them tell us what they thought were important things. So sometimes we just generally ask our young people, which we still do today as a church plant, what's important to you as a young person today? What do you need to tell us? And the way that's manifested in the, or the way that's translated rather into the church experience is through what we call forums. So even back at PAC in 2013, we had a forum because a young person wanted to talk about war. Um, Is there such a thing as just war or should Christians be involved in war or should Christians be pacifists? So after dinner one night, we invited everyone who wanted to stay for this forum and it was like an old school commitments talk at youth ministry, but now we're doing it as a whole church and we could engage with that. And it took some of the adults a little while to get used to that because a lot of Christian adults get used to, well, I've got to disciple young people, I've got to tell them what to think. And that's true. We've got to disciple young people and share with them what the Bible teaches. But to stop and listen and and try and engage with people is really important to this approach. And so it can happen informally over dinner. It can happen informally in the coffee time before church. But it's really good to have some formal forums for that to happen as well. Yeah. Can I another question on that? If you don't mind me asking, those lessons of commitments. How, like you just brought up one story then about that early time. How have you seen that those principles that you've learned from the commitments um, play out across like one gathering, two gatherings, three gatherings, where we've got to? Where where have you seen that? Um, yeah, apply? yeah. Well, that's a really relevant question because the way I think the the, the commitments were uh, basically this is how it worked. We'd have youth leaders in a youth group, which most churches have, but then the kids all the children who come along to all the teenagers who come along to that youth group that all the ministry happens to them there's not a lot of opportunity for them to serve as well and so because we we are really convicted by romans 12 where paul says that we are to be living sacrifices and this is our spiritual act of worship and as he unpacks that in chapter 12 he talks about being a body and everyone having a role within the body uh, we thought how can we apply that to youth ministry as well so that young people can be part of the body and they can actually serve in the family of God. So we started a group called The Commitments and we called it that because that was shorthand for committed Christian. So all the committed Christians could actually come and have a ministry with us, but as leaders we would still lead them, but they could learn to be a leader without the responsibilities of leadership. And so that meant they could serve, they could help with bringing the dinners out and they could help us with... We had magazines we produced and all sorts of fun ministries that they could be a part of. 
in the church, the way that commitments got translated into Soul Revival Church when we first started was through our service teams. So as Christians, we said, let's be committed Christians and let's be one ministry team together and all the Christians who come along can actually have a ministry. Now, people who are, I've, I've mentioned that a lot of non, non-Christian people or people without faith came along too. And we'd say to people, look, if you're someone who's not a Christian, you're welcome to come along. Uh, and the first thing to do is to meet Jesus. And so we'd introduce them to Jesus and talk about that. And after you've met Jesus and become a Christian, then you can have a ministry with us as well. So in the welcoming program that Lou put together, she had um, a bit of a process which was come, stay, grow. And in the come, stay, grow, you'd come along and then if you stayed with us after newish, we'd encourage you to think about are you a Christian? And if you're not, why don't you have a conversation about Jesus with us? And if you are a Christian or you become a Christian, we'd encourage you to go into a community group and learn and grow as a community group. So our community groups were only half the story though. We'd also encourage Christians to have a ministry and that's why we had the 10 service teams because in a way the 10 service teams and our community groups were our committed Christians and that's the commitments. So that's the way we saw it at Soul Revival. The commitments were the people in service teams and in community groups, which in our church there's probably 75% of the Christians are in a service team in, in Welcoming or World or one of the other teams that we have. The other rule that we kind of break is that more than 20% of the church actually does you know, a lot of the ministry. Yeah, so that's, that's another rule I've heard too, that yeah. in, in a lot of churches they, they're sad about the fact that there's a lot of consumerism and people uh, are in churches where twenty where 80% of the ministry takes place by 20% of the people. Yeah, But yeah, so I think I think in terms of the commitments, it was a, it was a bit of a challenge to how would we apply the commitments to a church. And what, what I'm excited about in this series is we're going to see how that commitments idea matured until where we are today, where we actually have uh, commitments, prayer and evangelism teams that we're setting up in our gatherings that connect up all the committed Christians across the whole church. We also, nowadays, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but nowadays we also get our adult Bible studies to meet with our teenage Bible studies once a term so that they can become friends as well. So there's this really nice uh, link between what we used to do in the youth ministry and what we do now. Yeah, we're always trying to continue that intergenerational yeah. concept. Yeah, but the first the first iteration of that was let's get an opportunity for Christians to serve and grow. And so as well as being in the gathering together, we had midweek Bible studies that we call community groups and we also have the service teams. Yep, and we're going to continue to talk about those service teams through the rest of this season. Um, we'll leave it there for this episode. That was... 2013, as we'll call it, in Soul Revival Church's history. Uh, Next up is 2014 when we needed to find a new venue. Uh, Stu, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Guys, if you have any uh, questions or comments or anything you'd like to contribute, you can email me at joel at shockabsorber.com.au. But for now, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening and finish off with a one-way. One-way. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, Joel.